in chapter 12. Paul writes, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And if you would turn to 1 John, First John chapter 2, as we finish our series in this text this morning, First John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come again to this text, we pray that you would illuminate it for us, that you would, by your spirit, give us understanding and wisdom. Give us discernment as we look at our own lives. Our desire is to love you. 
as the scripture says, to love the Father. We pray you would help us to do that even over this next half hour in Jesus' name. Amen. There are some fathers who apparently are too proud to ask for directions. Charlene mentioned I could tell how her father was one of these men. It sounds like we might have a few here as well this morning. On their annual trip out east to see family, uh, Charlene's dad would use no maps, no compass, no bearings. They would inevitably, every year, end up lost at some border crossing heading into the States when they were just going to Nova Scotia <laughs> and all the consequences of that. We use compasses to tell direction, don't we? And a broken compass is not much good for anything. The needle will spin. You can't tell which way is north. A compass that has been broken is one where the needle, they say, is demagnetized. It's been exposed to another magnetic field, and so it pulls it in all sorts of directions and begins to spin the needle. It, its setting has been lost. You'll find yourself lost. Now we have found our text here in 1 John. Our compass keeps pointing us to the North Star, which we have defined as the scripture says here, the love of the Father, the love we have for him because he first loved us, John says. And yet if we love the world and the things in the world, our compass is broken. The east will pull us away. We saw that. The, the desires of the sinful essence in us. The south will attract us. The, the, the desire craving of the eyes, wanting things. Now the west is calling us. The text says the pride of life. It's not from the father but it's from the world, the pride of life. What does the pride of life mean? You may have saw, seen the, the article recently of on the 401, some young man was pulled over for going up, for racing his car up the shoulder of the highway for no reason. I mean, there wasn't that much traffic, but people were astonished at his behavior and how fast he was going. And, they couldn't believe it, and he didn't have any excuse. He just wanted to do what he wanted to do with his fancy new car. That's somewhat of the pride of life. It's about showing off. Arrogance as a result of having the things of the world, boasting in one's lifestyle. The word here, the pride of life, is a word that describes a person who makes more of themselves than the reality justifies. 
someone who is posing, someone who is pretending to be more than they are, where the outside is fake and masks an inside that's sinful. It's like a person who, who might dress, insist on dressing in brand name clothing, giving the appearance of wealth and, and understanding of the culture, and, but in reality, their credit cards are maxed out. Or the one who pretends to be educated, to have degrees, who gathers degrees actually on, online, uh, gives the appearance of being a scholar, frames each one on the wall, lines his bookshelves with books that they have never opened, never read. This sort of showing off is to glorify the self. It's the pride of life. It's not to glorify the Father. It's to make much of yourself, to promote yourself, to try and impress everyone, sort of like a braggart, but with no substance behind the speech. This was a problem in the Corinthian church. This sort of preening, this sort of bragging, this, this type of, of showing off. Look at chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Turn there. Chapter 1. Where Paul finds it necessary to say to them in verse 26 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The Corinthians, some within the church, were presenting themselves as more spiritual than other Christians that more worthy because of their birth, maybe their power, their education, and also because of what they deemed their spiritual gifts were. They presented themselves as more spiritual than other Christians. And it was actually causing division within the congregation. And so Paul will stress that the giving of spiritual gifts by God to Christians has nothing to do with us and who we are and what we deserve. Look over on 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 6. He says, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's the Spirit who gives the gifts. Look at verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's not as, as some Christian deserves or because they're, they're better than other Christians. That the Spirit of God just makes these decisions and decides these things. And with whatever spiritual gift you have, Paul argues within the book, is, doesn't make you spiritual. More spiritual than anyone else. The test is not your spiritual gift. He'll say the test. Well, he'll tell us what the test is in chapter 13 that we're so familiar with. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so, love is the test of a spiritual person here. Now, our world puts certain things on a pedestal, what you do for a living, what degree you have reached, where you're going, university or college, or <coughs> into the workforce immediately, what car you drive, what you wear, even what phone you use, uh, how athletic you are. Uh, I like to brag about that myself. People get themselves into hopeless emotional and financial debt, as we saw last week, trying to impress other people. There are people on social media who spend all their time presenting themselves in ways that get clicks, they monetize themselves to get eyes on them, covetous eyes that want, and ha want what they have, and they don't have it either. It's all a facade. I think it was late last year when some travel, travel influencer was discovered to be taking pictures of herself in a fake plane. Her sister took pictures of the, the fake plane and, and she was saying she was on some place in Tahiti or something and she was in the trail in her backyard at home and her sister posted those pictures too, so uh, family conflict, I imagine, continues there. But we've seen in the past few weeks the forest fires across our nation and the massive smoke that's drifted into the U.S. Some of their newspapers say, blame Canada. And you look at some of the pictures, it's sort of a, an apocalyptic landscape, real fires, real smoke, but there's an idiom for the pretending braggart. All smoke, no fire. All smoke, no fire. In fact, there's a lot of idioms about the pride of life because it's such a behavior that we see and 
so often. All talk, no action. All bark, no bite. Clouds and wind without rain, the scripture says. No substance. So this isn't a new thing. It, it's a thing that we should take warning of in First John, be careful of in our own lives. It's a way of living, and it's not from the Father, and it doesn't express love of the Father. It expresses love of the world. It's from the world. James says in chapter 4 when he says, what's your life? You shouldn't be saying you're going to do this or that. You should be saying if the Lord wills it. If you boast in your arrogance, he says, all such boasting is evil. And he's actually quoting from Proverbs 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what day a day may bring. Let another person praise you, not your own mouth. Let other people do that if it needs to be done. And perhaps we've all met a braggart, one who knows everything, one who has everything, who talks about themselves as everything. They are very annoying to be around, and very tiresome, full of sound and fury. But they are broken compasses. They are needles spinning on their axis. And they are too proud to ask for directions to the Father. And we can't think as Christians that we put all of this behind us because he's, he's warning us here that, that we ought to know better than to live out or express in our life the, the pride of life because it takes humility to admit your sinfulness. It takes humility to express your need of a savior. So you, I mean, humility and Christianity go together. So we have to be careful that we don't turn back, turn west to the pride of life. In seminary, there were some men, mighty men of valor, uh, or so it seemed, at least, according to their words and according to their, their actions. They prayed more than other people. They did more than others. They volunteered for everything. They, they were the up-and-comers the ones who would change the world for Christ. And yet they didn't endure. It was only a few years after seminary where it became very obvious that they had fallen off the radar and they were shown to be mere mortals after all. Paul says to the Romans, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. To think of yourself with sober judgment, that's healthy. And that expresses a love for the Father rather than the pride of life. Every one of us were once of the world. We were lovers of the world. That's how we started out. We weren't lovers of the Father. Every one of us once thought too highly of ourselves because we thought we could do good works to deserve heaven. We thought God approved of us. We thought we could earn our way into his presence. We thought we could pay for our own sins. We thought not very serious thoughts, and we thought without sober judgment. We thought we could fashion fig leaves to cover our own sins. And when you think of it, how you lived and how you thought before you were converted to Christ, it ought to be somewhat uh, something you're ashamed of and embarrassed about because you can see the arrogance. You can see and hear the boasting in your former life. You can see yourself spinning on the axis, that broken needle, east, south, west. And then you came to know the truth about yourself and your, your sinfulness and your need of a savior and the grace of God, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of our own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works. Say it with me, so that no one can boast. What becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. There's no place for it, but in the Lord. Boasting of the Lord from a place of humility and dependence on him, a place of meekness and a place, a place where we express and live out what it means to be poor in spirit and the, the love of the Father in us. And his love in us would teach us to boast in him, in his grace and in his mercy and his forgiveness, his kindness toward us. Paul says to the Galatians, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, dead to the world. Charlene and I, before we had kids, we, we went to the Ottawa Exposition one of those big agricultural fairs in Ottawa and all the rides that went along with it. Charlie and I love rides and we boasted that we intended to try out as many rides as we could for the whole day. We thought we'd start on a tame one. So we got on the teacup ride. You know the teacup, right? You squeeze into that thing and, and off it goes, spins, spins. Hmm. We got in confidently and eventually crawled off 
a few minutes later, we spent the rest of the day being sick. We found a, dis a discreet place in the, the, big, uh, the big pavilion. We, we found a place in the corner and watched the horse shows for the rest of the day. <laughs> that was humbling. And a broken compass will have a spinning like, like the teacups. The cravings of our sinful nature, the cravings of our eyes, and the pride of life, these things call us, they beckon to us, they, they would hinder us and disorient us and cause us to love the world and the things in the world and to put the Father to the side. They would cause us to be too proud to ask for directions. And the directions are always the same. Go north. Go north, the North Star. Go to the Father. Not with the world, but in spite of the world. Go to the Father. Not adding the Father to the love of the world, but just, just the Father. Go to the Father. Not east or south or west, but north, always north. Be grateful if you had a father who pointed you north. And let's make this Father's Day a, a day to determine to love the Father and not the world or that's in the world. Let's pray together, Father. Father God, you are so good. And we ask for your grace now. Some are hurting here, some are wrestling with sin, some are distracted and spinning on that axis, Lord. May, may they know that the only direction is to turn to you to turn to you for forgiveness, for help, for grace, to rely on you, to depend on you, to put you first and only in our lives. And Father, any here who doesn't, don't know you, that they would know Christ crucified put their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their own sins and to have life everlasting. And as Christians, that we would take care, that we would take warning because the east, the west, and the south are powerful, powerful in our culture, powerful in the world. And they would take us away from you and we say no no, Father. And we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.